What are you listening to? You don't know that the guy's just put I know that. No, this is one that I know. Tom Brady's bordering now on Godlike. You gotta put the bourbon down and go to a doctor. He's... All right, listen up, y'all. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Bump and Run. I'm Pete Colasano, joined, as always, by my friend Scott Bracey. What's going on, dude? Yeah, the power's on. It's on. What you, you think I, I would miss on something I'm, like I'm, that? I'm, I'm very worried. You've been on happy hour for 13 hours <laughs> off today. So. The record button has been pressed. We are What's live up, and recording. How you doing? I'm great, man. How are you? Good. You were on Big Assignment last week uh, down in Florida, checking out some of the uh, local talent down there. How did it go? I was uh, not near Dwayne Haskins. If anyone's uh, was not driving a dump truck, too soon, Florida, too soon, way too soon for that. I'm just not in where my Michigan hat people get nervous, but Oof. no horrible thing we'll get into later. Uh, Florida was excellent. Good weather. The weather was 75 every day. Perfect oh, golf weather. Horrible. And when you go back to a heated hot tub and pool, it is absolutely tremendous. If you don't know, last week was Scotty's uh, birthday. How old are you now? 37. So young, still in his 30s. I'm 38, slightly older than him. Oh, wait a minute. No, it's 48. <laughs> My bad. Slightly older, but looked like you had a lot of fun. I. Uh, it's unfortunate I wasn't able to go. I had to de- uh, decline the invitation. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't get that for that one either. Shit. So, what we didn't next, get to talk about... Next year is a new year. Oh, so yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see of, if you make the cut. A lot of free time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we didn't get to talk about what we missed last week because we didn't have the show is the Final Four, and specifically, more most importantly, was a championship game, which was utterly bananas, and I watched it the best way possible, just so you know. Um, why don't you give everybody a quick recap on what went down, and then we'll get so into it. So did you watch the first half and then fell, fall asleep? Is that how you Why don't you give it? everybody a recap on what happened? <laughs> and then maybe I'd just disappear because you just can tell everything. It's incredible. So Final Four Saturday was uh, – the first game was Kansas pretty much ran away with it over Villanova. Villanova, like we mentioned, all banged up. All banged up, yeah. Uh, Kansas uh, – After watching that game, do you think if, if Villanova was at full strength, that's a different game? Like a totally different game? Not – uh, it might be closer for longer, but I think Kansas still wins. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, and then the night game, the game everyone was waiting for, the biggest rated Final Four game, I believe, in history. Really? Um, Or top three, at least. No, it was huge. The rivals of Carolina and Duke, eight miles down Tobacco Road, meet yep. for the first time in the NCAA tournament, never mind the Final Four, and what a game. Oh, it did not disappoint, that is for sure. I hope you stayed up for that one. Scott. I did. Got it all. It was fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, it was back and forth, nonstop. And you know what the funny thing is? There's close games where guys are just, you know, we talk about it all the time when the uh, the assholes pucker up. And you're just like, you're getting a lot of clankers, a lot of like hesitant play. You didn't get, that's not what you got in Duke, North Carolina. And I think no. familiarity with each other had something to do with it. Like, there's nervousness for Final Four, but you're not nervous I have to assume, like, when you're, if, uh, let's say, Kansas ends up playing Gonzaga, you never play them. So, like, it's all, like, everything's new. Personnel's new, schemes new, coaches new, everything's new. Um, these two teams are very familiar with each other. So that, that, that part of the not sure wasn't there, which was great. Because what you really did get was two Titans just going blow for blow. You know, this was... 
This was uh, Ali versus Frazier. Like, there's just no, they just were really throwing bombs at each other, playing hard, making plays back and forth. One takes the lead, the other comes back, then they take a lead, then the other comes back. It was a great freaking game, right down to the right down to the end. Fantastic. Armando Baycott, unbelievable tournament for North Carolina. Big man. Yes. Got to give him a lot down, of credit. Went down in the end of the Final Four game against Duke, came back in, fouled out, and then played great against. Kansas for as long as he could, and then ended up rolling the ankle again, and then uh, unfortunate. But he just declared that he's coming back to school. Good for him. So he will be a. We always see it go the opposite. Sure. Yeah, we always see it go the opposite. He's coming back. Pretty cool. Uh, so. And that's it for Coach K. Theoretically. It seemed like within days, by Monday, there were rumors that he might not go, might not leave, or other openings. And, of course, the Lakers fired their head coach, so then maybe Coach K is going to the Lakers. You know, in this day and age, we'll see, we'll see. He's not a young man, but he's not. He looks just fine. The intensity was certainly there. Uh, He still has it all together, so that's certainly not a problem. So we'll see. Um, but and not not a, not a great way to go out. You lose to Carolina in your home finale, and you lose to Carolina in your NCAA tournament finale. Yeah, you know, in a vacuum, you could say, "Well, he made it to the Final Four, and that's it's you know, you can't expect to win a championship Final Four. And I agree, but you're a hundred percent correct. Mike Dean from Dean Dome Sports would be thrilled to point out that uh, the last two losses, you know, big losses that he suffered were both against North Carolina. So. Um, by the way, how's everybody Mike doing? Is he uh, did he drink a lot on Tuesday? He didn't he... mention too much about um, you know the Masters because I think he was off, and we'll get to that next. But uh, we had a uh, we had a conversation about it, and he uh, oh. he feels bad uh, that we didn't connect about the the draft kings. But the next one we shall yeah. join together. We'll get so. you guys together. He's very good. I got to give him some credit. He's pretty damn good with the golf stuff. With with um. For those who are listening, like he, Mike puts together rosters for what, like DraftKings? Uh, what do you call yeah, that? Yeah, you got to like fantasy you gotta six, fantasy golf for the weekend. Slot roster spot. Yeah. You got to say that yeah. slow. He does a pretty um, damn good job putting that. You together. got a cap. You got a cap. You got to fill it in. It's, I'm not uh, giving it to you. You're gonna have to listen to Dean Dome Sports. What am I? My golfers did not. Uh, my golfers did not do great. Should we get to that? Well, we got to get to the championship game first. Go ahead. So yes, I I actually did the best possible job viewing this game. And you nailed it on the head. I watched the entire first half, and it was really something else. Kansas gets out to a nice little lead, and then North Carolina just comes storming back. Not just storming back, but takes a 15-point lead. And if you remember back a few weeks, uh, I made the bet with Mike Dean about when North Carolina was playing Baylor, and he was all happy because they were up by 12 points. And I said, give me Baylor plus four. And if it wasn't for (laughs) overtime, I would have won that bet. Yep. I started texting him <laughs> at halftime because yeah, he's a big North Carolina fan. And they're oh, up by 15. No. I started texting, and I get a text from him saying, I'm not doing this again. I'm not getting ahead of myself. And I said, you know what? I erased my entire text, and I said, good for you, dude. Don't get too cocky too early. But then I even said, but I'll be damned if my team is up by 15 at half in a national championship game. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty damn good. And then I went on to fall asleep. On the couch, you know, you know, too much, too many, too much coffee during the day, not enough. Anyway, uh, and I woke up without a minute and a half left in the game, and I swear it was one of those like you ever see the movie when the kid wakes up on Christmas and he's squinting and he starts rubbing his eyes because he can't believe all the presents that he's seeing. 
I'm yeah. looking at the score and I'm like, that that can't be right. Like, you know, Kansas was up like three or four points, or, with, or maybe it was three points with a minute left, or five. I think it was five when I woke when I first saw it. I think they were up five. On, and I'm like squinting and rubbing my eyes. I'm like, that that can't be the right score, right? There's no way they're up by five. And I kept watching. I'm like, they're up by friggin' five. What the hell happened? Kansas eliminated that lead to like six within. It felt like seconds of the second half. Is that how it went? Like the start of the second half? Yeah. They just yeah, came they, out and started they, bombing away. And then Carolina started the pucker. Carolina, what's that guy? Uh, Bryce Love or something Love? Okay. On Count Lagarde. He was he was great against Duke. He was that bad against against Kansas. Pressure Ooh. and momentum are so incredible in sports, dude. You shut him right out of the game, man. It is something else. We talk about it all the time in football. And I think in football, it's harder to kind of break free of momentum. Like, once the ball starts going, we saw this kind of bills against the Chiefs. Like, once the Chiefs scored that, scored with 13, se- you know, on that 13 second drive, like, yeah. you kind of felt deflated. There was no way. And bills, no matter what they did, they couldn't stop it. And you, it seems like that's what happened here. Like, the ball starts rolling in one direction, it's really, really hard. To get that momentum going back in the opposite direction, and there's there's often not a lot a coach can do about that. You would like to say, "Hey, the coach has got that." Usually, a lot of times, you know, if you have some senior leadership or somebody on your team who's kind of that vocal leader, that or or a uh, you know a Kobe, Michael Jordan type player who can take over for a short period of time and just snatch momentum back. That's not going to be a coach that does that. That's going to have to be a player on the court. Yep. And it just doesn't seem like North Carolina had anybody that was capable of doing that. But it is bananas how momentum, that pendulum swings, and it's just, you, you can't stop it, man. You can't yeah, freaking stop. That's it a 15-point was... lead. Minutes, you know, a few minutes. It's a hell of a thing. What was the, do you know what the end of the final score ended up being? I don't. But they win by five? They win by five? No, they won by four because the spread was four and a half. Oh. And people are like, oh, the Kansas betters. Oh, my God. Oh, here we go. Because they, they had a uh, – Kansas was up four. With about eight seconds to go, they had an inbounds. And they run a pretty good play, but the fucking guard steps out of bounds. Oh, Jesus. So Carolina gets the ball back. <laughs> That's crazy. And I'm like, oh, man, they're going to cover this game. But You know, the other side of this that people don't think about at the time is recruiting. Like, so Duke, uh, uh, North Carolina beats Duke at the end of the season. North Carolina beats Duke in the final four. And you're thinking, oh, my God, this is it. Their recruiting is going to be killer. And then you and then you lose a game like that. And you just wonder. I don't know. I have no idea how it's going to turn out. But you just wonder, like, if you're a player that was thinking about Carolina, does that affect you at all? You know, does, does it say – do you look and you say, well, you know, if the uh, – oh, my God. The former coach, I'm drawing a blank, because he was both Roy Kansas. Williams? If Roy Williams was there, would they have won that game? If Dean Smith was there, would they have won that game? You know, you can't help but think it's Hubert Davis. You know, it's his first year, first time in a championship. Is he up for the job? Dude, he just pulled off some of the biggest upsets. But then you do also add, hey, they were an eight seed. Why were they an eight seed? If it's North Carolina, they're so great. Why is North Carolina an eight seed? Is it the coach? Is the coach the problem, you know? So we didn't even mention the fact that Roy Williams – Who's former North Carolina coach, also former Kansas coach. That's got to be kind of odd for him being on being. I think he said he was rooting ninety percent. 
he was rooting for North Carolina, but just wanted him to win by one. Like he, you know, it's hard, <laughs> hard to pick because he was coach for both for a very long time too. It wasn't like he yeah. left Kansas voluntarily to take the North Carolina job, more or less. Um, that's got to be kind of odd, right? I wonder how many times that's ever happened. It's been it's been a long time. Yeah, but dude, that was a long. He was a. It wasn't like he was at Kansas for a minute. I mean, he was at Kansas for a long ass time. He was at both for a pretty long time. When you think about it. I yeah, think he was, was probably at Kansas longer. I think he was at Carolina for what eighteen years. Was it that long? Let me see. No way. No way, dude. No way he was at Carolina for eighteen years. All right, hold on. I can't believe Mr. that. I would have. I would have. I would guess that he was at Kansas longer than he was at North Carolina. He was at Kansas from eighty-eight to 03. What the so, hell is yeah, that? Fifteen. He, he was. He was at Kansas longer. No. Yeah, 88th, yeah. Yeah, I know I'm a gym teacher, but my math yeah. is okay. Yeah. So it was Kansas for 15, and then how many in North Carolina? And Carolina for 18, you motherfucker. Was it 18 years? 03 to 21. Wow, dude. I never would have guessed it was that long. I really never would have guessed it was that long. And he was a Carolina assistant for 10 years before the Kansas job. Yes, that's how he got the Kansas job, right? He yeah. was with Dean yeah. Smith. Yeah. yeah. Cool for him, though. That's a cool day for him. That's got to make you feel good because, I don't know, he helped, he helped make that Kansas program kind of a that's big deal. That's when you just sit back and have a scotch and yeah, relax, man. Yeah. That's, like, you check me it. out, you, bro. You earned it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did this, you know. You see all the Joe Biden stickers around pointing to the gas, the gas price at the gas station that said, I did yeah. this. Yeah. If you're Roy Williams, you get to say, yeah, I did this. He had a lot to do with both. Right in the middle of the scoreboard, just point to either one. <laughs> you're right, though. Just sit back and be like. That's me, baby. <laughs> oh, so kudos to Kansas. Um, and listen, Billy Self wins number two. Yep, and he has uh, kind of cemented himself as an all-time great coach. Two championships. One more would help. Jay Wright has got two, also, I believe. So, like, right. they're kind of neck and neck. Um, but good for them. Good for Kansas. Congratulations. Both of us were looking forward big time to the Masters. Uh, it did not disappoint. And let me just say about the course, obviously I say this all the time, the course at the Masters is the star until Sunday, right? Like it still is the star until on Sunday, but then it's about who's going to win the championship. And it did not disappoint. The only thing that can ever, I don't even say ruin the Masters, but kind of knock it down a notch is weather. If the weather is wet enough and it softens the course, then these players can eat the place up. We've seen it a couple times when we've seen Tiger be around 20 under, um, Jordan Dustin. Spieth, Dustin, and Dust Dustin Johnson's was even a little weird because it was in the fall because of COVID. So like that, the, the course was just in a different condition. It's not what we got this week. We got the best of Augusta National this week. It was quick and fast. There were days well, with it was wind. A little, it was a little cold and wind, yeah. yeah. I, I, I just think that that's the best it can be because it gave us really funky scoring conditions where, yes, uh, Scotty Scheffler got out to a big lead, but if you look at the rest of the leaderboard at one point, I think going into Sunday, there were only eight guys that were under par. And I like it like that. I like my championships to be like that because I'm really, I'm really being shown the best player is winning. Um... And I got to give us a monster pat on the back, dude. And you didn't hear this name. I'm sorry. I listened to talk sport, uh, sports talk all over the freaking place. Three months ago, nobody was talking up Scotty Scheffler. 
Nobody. Even if you went on Golf Channel, you didn't hear too many people that were talking up Scotty Scheffler. There was one place that you heard two guys talking about Scotty Scheffler, and you're listening to it right now. Yes. Pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We talked about Scotty Scheffler in the beginning of the season. We mentioned him in the Ryder fall Cup. with the Ryder yes, Cup. Like, oh, shit. This guy's interesting. They throw him out there as fresh meat against some of the best players that Europe had to offer, the rest of the world had to offer, just saying, hey, we'll take the L on this one and we'll just win the rest of our matches. And Scotty Scheffler was like, mm, nope, I'm just going to win all my matches against the best players <laughs> in the rest of the world. And we were like, watch this guy, dude. Keep an eye on this guy. Then before the Masters, he wins three out of five tournaments. And it's like, holy shit, we told you then. But the Masters is a different animal, right? Like, you don't just walk into the Masters and run away with it. Or maybe you just walk into the Masters and run away with it, which is exactly what he did, more or less. There were some moments where it got closer, um, but Augusta National snatched that away. And it was just something else. He was the best player, and it really wasn't even close this week. Do you think it was an overall exciting Sunday, though? It was for about five minutes when I think the score was – he, he was at minus yeah, nine. When, and when Cam, Cam, Cam birdied the first two holes? I think, yeah, and I think, he, he, I think Scotty Scheffler was at minus nine and Cameron Smith was at minus eight. And I'm like, okay, we got a yeah. match here, which is exactly what you were hoping for. So, and no. Then, and then after that, he took the lead back and it was never really close. And when you can yeah. four putt on 18 and still win by three strokes, yeah. <laughs> that's not the best. But at that it's point, not- you don't care. I, to me, at that point, I don't care. Like, it would have been nice if it was closer, but you don't care. Like, that's when the pageantry takes over, the awe of the moment takes over, and I don't care any longer about the the competition has been decided. Um, But, yeah, I guess you could say that's the only thing that was missing. Number three and number four, right? They both hit bad tee shots and – yeah, and then, and then and then Cam Smith hit one like you of uh, six feet, and then and then Scheffler makes his, and then that correct. turned the whole thing. Yeah, you know, uh, Scotty Scheffler got a little bit of a break. He he goes into the woods. Yeah, he's, he's in an azalea yeah. bush. He get, gets out of there and ends up either making par or bogey, and it could have been a, a billion times worse. And then Cameron Smith, and then and then he holes out on the one hole. Yeah. He gets out of there, holes out on a chip shot that was. Ended up being a bad shot. He holds it out. And Cameron Smith not only doesn't hold out, but he doesn't even make it all the way up, and it comes back. To, like, Cameron Smith got some bad breaks. Scotty Scheffler got some good breaks. But that's the way it goes, dude. You know, you make your own luck a little bit too here. So, you know, you got to do the best you can with that. I will tell you something that was interesting. So before the tournament started, my cousin texts me and says, you know, it's five bucks to five bucks to win 250 on Tiger Woods to win the tournament. And I said, dude, save your money. Like, that shit ain't yeah. – you're not coming off the couch to win the Masters. And listen, we could talk about Tiger in a minute. He was yeah, incredible. Yeah, i like to. Uh, he was incredible. Um, but I said, save your money. Put the five bucks on Cameron Smith. Like, I just threw that name out there because if you look the last couple years, he's been in the hunt. And last year, I think he finished second. Um, and he's always around on some of the – on these major tournaments. Like, he's a real – contender he's great ball striker pretty damn good putter sweet you know soft hands around the green um so i was this close to actually you know predicting the winner you know on on a bet like i just like hey save your money 
Cameron Smith is a real deal. He's kind of hard to watch with the hair, bro. It's a little bit bothersome. I'm not going to lie. The mustache? Yeah, it's just this. He's Australian, right? Yeah. It's like just tough to watch some Alabama redneck from Australia, you know, playing golf. It's just an odd look. But, dude, the guy's a player. The guy's a player, and he really shows up so, at the big tournament. So I'm watching golf right now, and you want to talk about, you know, momentum and, and, and bad streaks. So he chokes the Masters away. He's currently in 124th place. Plus I know, he's five. plus four, right? right plus five. Woo! He's so having a hard time. I get that. It's hard It's yeah. hard to play the next week when you were in the hunt. Um, but he's a player. Listen, if there was like a futures bet of like, will Cameron Smith ever win a green jacket? like, Or, or if there was like a five-year bet or something like that? Yeah. Book it. Uh, here, here. I'll, we'll do this. We have this show. So I'm saying, I'm telling you right now, Cameron Smith will win a green jacket. Does your the, the question that this tournament comes down to is two things. Do you want it really bad, and does your game suit the course? And the answer to both of those for Cameron Smith is yes. Uh, he's ultra aggressive. He has no problem going for it, and he comes up short sometimes. But guess what? So did Phil Mickelson, and he's won it three times. Um, and does the game does his game suit this course? And the answer to that is also yes because of the way he turns the ball. So um, he has the ability when it's necessary to turn it from right to left, which these guys, a lot of the guys on the tour don't like to do anymore. They, most of these guys tend to be a left to right player. They would prefer to play left to right, you know, have a little fade. Uh, you can control the ball a little more, control, you know, how much it turns, whereas a lot of right to left guys end up getting that duck hook action in there and they don't want to do that. They would rather play the fade, which is kind of like a Jack Nicholas way of playing. Um, but Cameron Smith has the ability to turn it from right to left. And I just, if you can, I don't know if you can get your hands on it, go back and watch some of the post-tournament interviews and see the look on Cameron Smith's face and the answers that he gave. This is not a guy who was, like, sad and and kind of, um, how do I say? What's the right way of putting this? Disappointed? He was disappointed, but he was almost more angry. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah. he, it, the the his hunger level went up as a okay. He wasn't dejected. That was the word I was looking for. Go. This was not a guy that was dejected. This was a guy that, at least what I saw, this was a man who just became even more determined to win a green jacket. Like he, I don't even think he gives a shit about the rest of the season. He he wishes that the Masters was again next week. Like he. He, the, the determination that I saw in the look in his face and the answers to his questions, you see that in Justin uh, uh, Jordan Spieth when he won. You see that in a Tiger Woods. You see the same look in a Phil Mickelson. It's not dejection. It's determination. And then he has the game to back it. So I would bet I would lay any money that he wins it probably within the next five years. Dude, have you ever seen a pro – Hit such a bad tee shot on 12 in Which, amen corner. Remind me of what happened. It goes into the water. Oh, good. And God. it goes into the water, like, closer to the tee box. Not yes. like you, you almost got to the hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, like, you hit that ball so poorly. Yeah. It barely got to the water. Correct. Uh, it was rough. It, oh. It was rough. No, I like I said, when, I, I, I think that's when the boys and I put the remote down and went in the pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know it's kind of over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, anyway, let's. You're right. You're 100 percent right. And listen, 
Even Scotty Scheffler, who we have talked about, is just Mr. Cool. Like, he's just Joe Cool, dude. Nothing seems to bother him. And he even talked about it in his post-game, uh, post-round presser. They were saying, like, I know it looks like I'm really not bothered by anything. Yeah. And he says, that's just how I've, I've learned to learn to control myself on the outside. He says, believe me, on the inside, your stomach is turning. It's tough. It's a grind. And you, and it showed on 18. <laughs> you know, when he three putts or four well, putts or whatever the hell he ended up doing. I've been critical of him the last couple of weeks about no personality. I thought he came off really well after this. I totally agree with you. He yeah. still is not a bold personality, but what he did was he let you in. Right. It's not like he's a big, bold person. He's not Tiger. He's not Jordan Spieth. He's not, you know, Justin, Justin, Justin Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. But what he did was he let you into who he is. And I think that's really... Okay, that's really all people – in the end, that's what you really want. You just want to right. kind of know who they are. I'm trying to think of a dude who won it two years ago, kind of meaty dude. A lot of people Patrick don't. Reed? Patrick Reed. That was like five years ago, bro. Can you believe that? Is it that far? Is it that long yeah. ago now? Um, Patrick Reed's problem is not that he's acerbic or like kind of puts people up. It's that you really don't know who he is and what he's about because he's kind of standoffish. He's, he's brash, which, which is fine, but then I don't get a look on the inside. And so now you're turned off. Whereas Scotty Scheffler was kind of closed off, but he wasn't a dick about it. But now you're 100% right. You got a little bit of a taste of who he is and why he's like that. I thought what was fascinating, and this kind of goes to your point a little bit. After the round, he said, well, this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. It won't define me as a person. It won't define me at home. Like, he's going to go home and be with his wife, and they're going to watch Netflix and binge TV shows. He stays humble. You can clearly see here's a guy who's staying humble, and he wants it that way. It, this is not by accident. This, right. is, this is who he is and how he wants it to be. And while he will absolutely pursue more um, championships and more majors, and I believe he'll get them because the game is there. And the mentality is there, dude. He, this is a centered dude, okay? This is not a guy who's wet and wild and out there and is going to get loose. The game is there. The persona is there. The mentality is there. You will see it. But it doesn't define him. So he, he's not going to go off the rails. You know, you're not going to get Tiger Woods off-course behavior that you've gotten that has hurt him. Let's be let's be real about it. It has hurt him, whether it be some of his choices with ladies or choices with, you know, muscle relaxers, painkillers, whatever it ended up being. You're not yep. going to get you're you're not. I shouldn't say you're not going to. You're not likely to get that from Scotty Scheffler because that's just not he's not that compulsive kind of person like that. Now, listen, that may end up holding him back from the number of, of majors that he ends up winning, because as we know, whether it's Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, that compulsiveness is part of what makes them who they are. It, what, it's what gives them that drive to go beyond what's thought possible. Um, but at the same time, he'll keep his soul intact, most likely, and we assume. Before we get into Tiger, Rory McIlroy finishes second. You know, no, no, Thursday or Friday kind of kind of banged him up a little bit. But you got in the cut, and he had a great finish. I'd like to see him win one, man. I just don't know if he could do it for four days in a row. Yeah, see, here's the problem with Rory. Like, Rory does this all the time. Rory plays like shit for two and a half days. And then when there's no pressure, he goes out and just destroys the fucking course, eats it up, 
and we're like, oh my God, if he only. Yeah, well, the point is if you only did it when the pressure's on, but you don't. Like, let's be real about Rory McIlroy. If I'm not mistaken, I think the number is eight, which is how many years is it since he's won a major tournament? Um, and, and the reality is he really hasn't been close. Now, he ends up, what, in second place? But, you know, he posted that score almost two hours before the, you know, before Scotty Scheffler finished his round, um, you know, an hour and a half before. There's no pressure. And he's not thinking, I'm winning this tournament. He's thinking, let me put up a number and see if it sticks. There's no pressure in that. Uh, and that's Rory's problem lately. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Rory, Rory McIlroy can't handle the pressure of a major because he's won at least three, right? He's got a U.S. Four. He's got four. He's got a U, two U.S. Opens or two, no, two PGAs. Two PGAs, yeah. A U.S. Open and a British or an Open Championship. Um, so we know he can do it, but it's been a while. Let's not pretend that it hasn't been a long time. It's been a long-ass time. It's been eight years. And he does this. We've seen this particular act before, which is you're you're nowhere to be found. People are like, oh, will Rory McIlroy do it this week, this, this major you're nowhere to be found, and on Sunday you post a stupid number, but you, you're doing that with no pressure. So while it's something because it is Augusta National, and I think it was probably the lowest score of the day. Was it the best score yeah. of the day? Yeah. Um, it really, it really doesn't mean much because you weren't really a factor. You know, you weren't really a factor in the tournament. So anyway, that's just my thoughts. I, I you know I what do, I'm saying? I, I like him. I just I don't... like him too. No, I like him, and I love his game. But his Thursday, Friday, half a Saturday performances in majors is is garbage. All right, Tiger Woods. He yeah, makes man. the cut over Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, and your boy, Jordan Spieth. Yeah. And on one leg, you got to give him a round of applause. Oh, my God. Because when he walked in the clubhouse on Sunday afternoon, he looked like he needed a gurney. Yeah, let me say this ahead before I say anything. I'm not a Tiger guy. I'm like the anti-Tiger guy. I say this with like Tiger Woods, Dallas Cowboys, New York Yankees. Um, you know, there's probably something else out there. Like you either love them or hate them. Duke basketball. Duke basketball is probably a good example. You either, And it's not hate. You either love them or root against them. I don't hate Tiger Woods. I just root against them. And it's probably the same reason that people root against the Yankees or you root against Duke because you're like, oh, I'm fucking tired of seeing them win all the time. You know, I ended up, you know, I was a big Tiger fan, and then I got anti-Tiger because I'm just like, I just want some, I want someone else to win. Or at least can somebody else challenge the freaking guy? Yeah. Like, so I, that's how that's how I evolved. This was un-friggin' believable. This is not coming off the bench for after not playing in a tournament for a year and competing in the RBC championship, which is playing behind me and you're watching. Um this is the friggin' Augusta National, and as I said earlier, this is Augusta National at its best, like at its toughest, pretty much at its toughest. Fast greens, no BS, wind for a day and a half, uh, chilly conditions, and then great conditions on Sunday. And he didn't particularly play great on Sunday, but the fact that he was even like playing any kind of well, the fact that he made the cut, Here's a guy, if you watched at all, he couldn't even kneel down to read greens. He had to, like, old man hunch over <laughs> to see, like, as best he could. And let's be honest, he was probably just going off of experience when it came to putting and reading greens. He really probably 
wasn't getting low enough to get a good view. This is unbelievable. Now, somebody wrote, one of these jagoff sports writers wrote that this is the greatest accomplishment in the history of sports. Please stop what? being an asshole and a prisoner of the moment. This was really cool. Like, this was really friggin' cool, okay? And pretty goddamn unbelievable. But the greatest achievement in the history of sports? That makes no sense to me. Can you stop it? I forget who the hell it was. It was probably your boy from NBC Sports. Uh, what's your guy? What, Florio? The, the guinea. Yeah, the guinea, Florio. <laughs> If yeah. he starts talking golf, dude, I'm out. Dude, I, it was one of these idiots, you know, that's just like ultra woke, woke, uber left. Oh, it's the greatest achievement. Stop it. Just stop it. Um, but what he did was impressive. And maybe what's most impressive to me about what he did was on, on almost the entire day, Thursday and Friday, off the tee, he was the shortest. He was almost always hitting first. Yeah. Which means he had to take a little off his swing. But I also think that helped him because he was in the fairway most of the time. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, so you can tell me after I say it. But I've experienced this multiple times. Have you ever gone to play around already a little banged up or in the middle of the round you get a little banged up? Like what happened yeah. to me most recently was like I was near a tree and I went to hit the ball and I hit a root. And oh. I hurt my wrist so bad, but I parred out the last five holes. Why? Because I was forced to yeah. like slow down my Calm backswing, down. Yep. swing at about 80%, and everything was dead nuts straight. And we, we always say this all the time. I wish I could just do this all the time, but because we're men for the most part, uh, it's 100% and then some. Not only do we put our <laughs> muscles into the swing, we put our balls and asshole into the swing, and we end up hitting it all over the goddamn place. Hey, I really do think... Off. I really do think that's what happened with Tiger in this particular round. Like he he couldn't he doesn't have full rotation, especially on that right foot. So he was more or less playing at like eighty percent. But at eighty percent, he's hitting everything dead nuts straight. It was something else, man. It was really pretty cool. It was really a lesson for like Sunday hackers like us of how to go about playing, right? Yeah, I mean, but like you said, it's impossible it's a, for, for a because. With us, you can't bring yourself to different. do it. Every swing is different with us. So. Yeah. Apparently, you need to get in a car accident and almost die, and then maybe you'll start swinging at 80%. Yeah. But that's, that's really what he did. But it caused him to be, like, ultra accurate. So, like, he was in the fairway most of the time, and his iron shots were just bananas on point. I mean, it was something else. And you know what's funny about that? As a viewer, you don't really know how far he's hitting it unless they tell you how far he hits it. So what you're seeing is, okay, Tiger's in the fairway again off the green, off the tee, and Tiger's on the green again. Yeah. And, and I think that had a lot to do with it. So in a weird way, his injury was like, you know, you could say almost helpful because it forced him to gear down a level. Yeah. And he became super accurate with that. But regardless, it was a hell of a thing. It was a hell of a thing, dude. It's Augusta National, and you just come out, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to come out on Monday and Tuesday to see if I can even pull this off. And then not only do you play, you make the cut, and it's just fun as shit. It's just fun as shit. John Rahm made a comment Sunday afternoon. They're playing together, and he goes, we were both so out of it. I was just a fanboy, man. I was just walking next to him. I like, believe it. But, yeah, I totally believe it. Did you see really any cool. of the screenshots from um, – 
like the Tuesday practice yeah, round. Yeah, when he was playing with JT and Ron. Dude, yeah, the crowds great. that were on the yeah. course, it looked like Sunday 17th, 18th hole. And I get it. I totally well, get it. Dude. Dan Patrick was saying, if you can't get tickets to the, 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 the weekend, go Tuesday, Wednesday. It's a lot of fun, especially the par three. Okay, so yeah, my, dream, my dream trip is actually Wednesday, Thursday. Mm. I would like to see because I think that you can still see a little bit of practice round in the early part of Wednesday. Yeah, and then they do the par three in the afternoon, and then the first round. And the reason I actually only want to do that is because, frankly, I don't know if you've have you ever been to a golf tournament? Yes. Okay, so the one thing that sucks about being at a golf tournament that you can attest to is that you can only see the hole you're on. Right. I mean, unless you use your phone and you can watch other stuff, which you can with the Masters, but it's a little, it's not the same. Um, you can only see the hole you're on. I just want to be there, like for one round, and yeah, just definitely. see that walk around and see like live play on that course, certain holes. And I, I'd like to see the the par three with some of the old timers and all that, all the goofy shit they do. But then to be honest with you, for the weekend, I want to be home. <laughs> I want to be home watching that thing because it's just, it's too goddamn cool. I want to see all of it. I want to see that kind of television camera view. Yeah. Um, as as the tournament winds down, so. But I agree. Yeah, earlier in the week is where I'd want to be. That's 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 the time you want to be there. So, um, a scale of one to ten, what where, where do you where do you rank this Masters? Like, was it ten being best? I'd say six and a half. Oh wow. I put it at like an eight and a half. Um, the Tiger effect, the dominance by Scheffler. I take. And the course. Condition. See, I don't, I don't, I don't love the dominance in the tournament like this. I get I it. See, I want to see drama. I want to see like I, well, if uh, Cam Smith and Scotty were one stroke ahead the whole time, like that yeah. would have been phenomenal. I totally like get. Last it. year when Xander Shoffley screwed up at the end, yes. Like I thought last year's was better than this year's. Not even close. From that perspective, I get it, and that's why I knock it down a little bit because, frankly, like most of the back nine, there really wasn't. No, there's nothing. No juice. No drama. Um. But you give me the conditions, you give me the beauty of the course, and let's be honest, like, there's also, there is something to be said about the dominance, like, by one man. Like, as far as uh, the quality of the victory, like, he, you know, he took it to another level. He went Jordan Spieth, he went Tiger Woods, like, he did that kind of thing. But the problem with that is... Back nine, last five holes, whatever you yeah. want to say. I almost, I think I was flipping around the channels for a little while until the 18th where I wanted to see, you know, there's just nothing like seeing that ball go in and him taking that walk to the clubhouse to sign the card. and Yeah, and you get the whole Butler cabin stuff. Yes, and- yeah. So, so I get that, and that's why to me it's an eight and a half. If it was, if it was, if Cameron Smith was closer, it could have been a 10 for me. Like it could have been right. a nine and a right. half, 10 for me. Right. So, yeah. Right. But everything else was exactly how I want it. Um, for the Masters, so NBA playoffs are just about to kick off. We just got through the um, play-in tournament part, I guess you call that. Is that what they're calling it? The play-in games, play-in tournament. Yeah, I guess play-in, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, missing from the play-in or the playoffs in total with the Los Angeles Lakers. What else is missing is a tweet. Earlier in the year, before the season started by LeBron James, I don't know if you remember, there was a lot of criticism, us included, about how old this team was um, and how they were constructed with Westbrook and some of these other guys. And LeBron tweeted out, do me a favor, keep mentioning 
and keep talking, keep up the narrative about how old this team is. Keep it up, please. Don't stop all season. And that tweet has since been deleted. And now, stupid LeBron James, and I got to be honest with you, this man is starting to become more and more ignorant to me on a daily basis. He comes out and says, well, it's hard to say because we were injured most of the year. Hey, guy, that's the problem with having an old team is that it's hard to get everybody on the court all the time. Duh. Like, dude. Really? Oldest, te- oldest team in the league, and I think they have in league history. And I think they have non-expiring contracts. Yeah, they gotta have Westbrook for another year. And I hear people, yeah. they gotta trade him. And, and he's in that contract. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I heard like, oh, you could trade him to trade him to Indiana. Uh, Indiana. I'm like, why the hell on earth would Indiana want him? It's LeBron Davis and Westbrook, and then the rest of the roster, I think, is like, dude, it's it's bananas. They're stuck. They're in a tough spot. Um, their only move, their real only move, they have is to trade AD, and if there's a way to trade and package Anthony Davis with Westbrook, right. you know, because, you know, the only good thing about Westbrook's contract is that it's there's only one year left. Um, but he holds no value other than time. Whereas, yeah. you know, theoretically, Anthony Davis holds some value. But I just don't – I wouldn't want him. Let's be honest. The year they won the championship, number one, it was in a bubble – where there was no home field advantage, no fans, no pressure, really. It was basically like playing in a backyard. And number two, they had three months off after COVID hit. They basically missed three months to heal and then go play like for a month and a half. The guy can't, Anthony Davis can't put a full season together. LeBron James hasn't put a full season together in two or three seasons now. And he's not getting any younger. I give him a lot of credit as far as like, how much scoring he did this year, but he missed like 30 games, almost 30 games. So, you know, they're in trouble. The Lakers are in trouble. This is not, if you're watching Winning Time on HBO, this is not the same team that was run by uh, Dr. Buss. Excellent uh, That guy had a knack, man. He was a weird, strange dude. By the way, the dude who's playing him in the show is John fun. C. Riley. Oh it's my tremendous. God, it's a he's gonna, total, be on, he's gonna be on DP tomorrow. I can't wait. Dude, total home run. I mean, total home run for him in that role. Like, He's Tony Soprano. He's James Gandolfini for Tony Soprano now. To me, like, I don't think I'll ever remember him for anything other than this role. I got to be honest <laughs> know, with you. I'm like, that's Dr. Buss. I don't even know. I don't even remember what Buss actually looks and like I, anymore. I, I, I love how they do the clips, too. Like, it's when he looks at the camera, Yes, like, this guy's fucking crazy. Yeah, so. dude. It's just, he's he, it's a total eccentric dude, but incredible. Um, so, they fire Frank Vogel, and they might be doing Because yeah, it's his favor. fault. I think Frank's going, thank you. I I told dude. I I just want to say I totally agree with you, because what would he be doing? He'd be stuck in the same goddamn situation a year from now. And everyone in the league knows that yeah, he got fired, but this has nothing to do with Frank Vogel. No, this is a guy who won a championship two years ago, and everybody was like, "See, we told you he's a great coach." And two years later, he's an idiot. Okay, (laughs) okay. (laughs) It was the happiest day of his life. He was probably negotiating to get fired. Yeah, he was probably doing some shit. We're like, oh just fire me God, now. Oh, my God, Jesus Christ. What a yeah. disaster. No, thanks. What other NBA stuff you got? I, I thought you were going to say something else about it. No, I'm no, done. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, well, I, the one thing I'll say is I'm happy they're out of the playoffs. That's what I'm It is just funny, though. All year, it's like, well, if they if they get healthy. if they, What are you talking about, dude? It's an 82-game season, and not at any point did they look like a real contender. 
that maybe they make the play-in, but what are we talking about? I know. Yeah. Give me a break. This was never – and they're stuck. They're in a bad spot. Um, I think Brooklyn Brooklyn beat uh, Cleveland, but they don't look like a championship team either because when Kevin Durant or oh. Kyrie Irving is not on the court, they, they have nothing. They are super thin, um, and they don't play any defense. Kevin Durant is phenomenal. Uh, what the team that I like? I don't know that they're ready to win a championship yet, but Memphis is fun. John Morant is getting healthy. That team can score a shitload of points. They have a great supporting cast, man. For him, that they, they, they know their role. They're I, great. I players. agree with you, but let's be honest. This team was a bad team, and that all changed when they drafted John Morant. Like some of these guys were there. But they're better. Mentality is so important. People do not give this enough credit, dude. Like, he makes them legit. And then other guys, supporting players, start to feel we're legit. Like, let's be real. This was a yeah. – he, he's made them a playoff team. And that causes other players to have belief. True. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, so I, I give him a ton of credit. And they're a fun team to watch, bro. They score a lot of points. They're super athletic. You're absolutely right that there's more than one guy on that team that's actually, like, fun and interesting and wild to play. They're actually constructed pretty good. I just don't know that they're, you know, experienced enough to take it all the way to the finals. You got to think that the Phoenix Suns, this is set up for the Suns. You know, it, the, the Bucks look like there's a little bit of a hangover, although they were coming around at the end of the season, playing a lot better. They didn't, they weren't playing so great in the beginning of the season, but now they're playing a lot better. Brooklyn just looks a mess. James Harden looks like he's seen the, his best days are behind him now. So much for the Shaq-Kobe comparison, huh? The oh, come into on, the, man. Oh God, come on. Give me a break. Come on. And um, I think things are set up really nicely for Phoenix, but they're going to have to get past. They're going to have to get past uh, Memphis, which is not now, which is no layup, which is no the layup. First, the first series is three out of five. I don't know if they do that anymore. Do they still do that? I'm asking you, but I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. You're my NBA anymore. guy. Yeah, I don't know that they do it anymore. I think it's all four best out of seven. Man, they last forever. Oh my god, dude, the seat that pre the postseason's two months. At least it's basically two two fucking months. It's, it's crazy. Um, I w- I suspect that you'll see Milwaukee come out of the East and Phoenix come out of the West, and I think Phoenix will win it all. There is one more thing I wanted to tell you about the Lakers and LeBron. Um, for the longest time, I had LeBron above Kobe. As far I always look at it as like if there was a draft, who would I pick? Okay, I don't. I try not to look at like. I try not to pick guys or look at them and and choose based on where they are at the end of their career. But I always look like, who would I pick if there was a draft? You know what I mean? Like, if I was drafting right now and both these guys were available, who would I take? And to me, Michael Jordan, I just just take him over everybody. There's just just nobody. And then I always kind of had LeBron after that. And I just don't know that he's the killer that some of these other guys are. And not just because of this season – but I think this is the first time I'm putting Kobe ahead of LeBron. I got to be honest with you. I always had Magic and Bird ahead of LeBron. I know that Bird is not, uh, neither Bird nor Magic were the athlete that LeBron James is. I mean, frankly, it's not even really close. Um, but as far as like winning, who's a winner, who's a killer, who's a leader, who do you want with the ball in their hand at the end of the game? I just want Magic and I want Bird before I want, I want LeBron James. 
like in a regular season and you know all there's all this other stuff i guess lebron James. but if you if i want if i'm looking for championships i want magic and bird before i want lebron and then and then i wanted lebron and then to me it was kobe and i think i think i'm changing my mind on that i think i'm moving kobe ahead kobe was a, a straight up killer dude he was a straight up killer and some he was always wanted that ball always wanted that shot to end the game Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. That is the way it goes. But I, right. I just, I don't know. LeBron, to me, a little too passive, a little too willing to give it up. Uh, just not the killer. I just don't see him as that absolute assassin at the end of a game. I think it would take Kobe before, before him. It's really close for me. It's a really close one. This is not a knock, dude. Think of what I'm saying. I'm saying that LeBron James is the fifth or sixth best player in the history of the sport. It's not, a, it's not like he's a, oh, it sucks. Okay, now you're being a total idiot. You know, there's been thousands and thousands of players. I'm saying he's number six all the time. I mean, yeah. okay, so stop with yeah. that. Guys. LeBron or Detlef Schrempf? Give me what you're <laughs> Detlef Schrempf. <laughs> nice, nice reference on that one. Thank you. Oh, my God. Who do you think, who do you think is the major threat to win championship this year? You think Milwaukee can pull it off twice? Do you think Giannis is the best player in the, in the, in the league right now? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah, you do. Yeah. You think they're going to win it again? He's struggling. It's tough. It's tough. I tell you, if the Warriors get hot, man. You make a good point, dude. But it's a huge God. if. Clay has not been Clay. Yeah. He's been better. He's, He's been, been better, better. but I'm just saying, like, Poole, and they George didn't actually finish. They didn't finish the season on a high note, exactly. No, but he was out. Green was out. I know. You know, I think it's a big ask to guys for guys I, I to come back. I'm, this is what I'm, I'm saying sorry. about Brooklyn too. Like, wow, um, what's the dude they just traded for? Simmons. Ben, ben Simmons. Simmons does it. I'm like, dude, this guy hasn't played in a year and a half, and you're saying if he comes back, they're they're this that and yet. Come on. That's a no, big I, ad. It's hard enough when your team is full and loaded. And now you're going to say this guy's just going to come in. Like, it's a big ass for Golden State. That's the problem. It's kind of like my partner right now. He's full and loaded. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to go get more loaded. So, um, no, listen, I'm not saying the Nets are title contenders, but I also think the Warriors are more talented than the Nets are. They're deeper, for sure. Yeah. Do you think, do you think the Sixers are a contender? I don't. You just don't I believe don't. in the big two. I mean, we've seen Harden shit his pants year after year after year. I can't disagree. And it beats great. It beats great. But remember, they're gonna playoffs. They don't call as many fouls, and they let him play a little bit. Yeah. He's gonna be banged up every night. I can't disagree with you there. Uh, we got some stories in the NFL that we got to get to. Let's always, as always, I try to get the bad news out of the way first. Dwayne Haskins, give us an update. Yeah, I made an off-color joke at the beginning of the show that I wish I could take back. Oh, no, no. what we on. do. Um, yeah, he was uh, sad. He was hit by a dump truck Saturday morning in Florida. Unbelievable. 24 um, years old. So, supposedly they had a lot of Steelers down there working out. Uh, Trubisky and Claypool and Firemuth and Harris and so on and so on. Um, details are slowly starting to emerge here, but something's not right. What are you doing 7 a.m. On a, on a highway – Getting out of the car. Crossing a highway, right? Crossing a highway. Uh, now they're saying there was a woman in the car. Passed out. Passed out. Not his wife. 
Do we know that it wasn't his wife? We know that it wasn't his wife. Ah. Um. You know, you hear a lot of good things about him. You know, maybe he was a friend. Maybe you yeah. saw someone in trouble. We'll never know. Well, maybe unfortunately, we'll unless the woman woman comes out. Yeah. Um. It's sad. It is a very, very, very sad, eerie situation. I was on the golf course when it broke, and I was in the car with my brother, who's a diehard Steeler fan. And I went, dude, Has- Dwayne Haskins died. And he went, what? Like, he stopped the car. He's like, what? He- and then he told me that they're on Florida working out. He goes, dude, what the fuck? And then, like, it just, like, like the next couple holes, like, it was just ear, like, the text Yeah, because in. to me, I think, you know, I heard somebody talking about it. I forget who it was now. But they were just saying, like, oh, you know who it was? It was, it was uh, Clay Travis of OutKick, OutKick the Coverage. And he was saying, I just look at these things differently now because I'm an older man and I'm a father. Yeah. Because Dwayne Haskins was a young guy, dude. 24 years old. He's gone. His pain is over. There is no pain. There's nothing to worry about. He's gone. Um, his mom has to deal with this. You know, any no parent wants to outlive their, their kid. Uh, she'll have to live with that pain for the rest of her life. The father, family members. It's yeah. it's just hard to fathom 24, 24 years old, man. I'd like that's the thing that sticks in my head with this the whole time. Like, forget about football, forget about the circumstances, whatever, whatever. It's a 24-year-old kid, never to be heard from again. And it just as a parent, that's what bo- that's what gets to me and bothers me the most. Yeah, I understand that like, from your point. It's not a it's not a kid who got in an accident and never gets to play football again. Sad, but he's alive or things didn't work out as a pro sad but he's okay never to be heard from again and his family has to yeah find a way to deal with that move forward with that and it's just god damn just getting started just getting started in life and a good life you know we we bang on players a lot like that's kind of the nature of the business right like if you're a starter we're looking for cracks in your armor and if you're not starting but you were a top pick like Haskins like there was a lot of criticism of him as a player deservedly so let's not pretend because the guy has passed that criticism that was made of him as a player you know previously doesn't count or you need to apologize for bullshit like this is the nature of the business and I'm going to I'm going to tell you something that Baker Mayfield said not about Haskins but just said and and it'll bring this even more to light this is the nature of the beast you get paid millions of dollars. You're a high draft pick. You want to be a high draft pick. Criticism comes with that, right? So it's not to take any of that part of that away. But the reality of this, this is a human. This was a human being that will never be heard from again and is very, very young. And it's just sad. It's just sad because you don't know. You don't know what kind of person he could have been. Never mind what kind of quarterback he could have been. What kind of person he could have been. What could he have done in his community? What could he have done as a father, as a husband, as a parent, whatever? Um, and we'll never know. And that's, that, that's what gets to me the most as a dad myself. Yeah. Like the idea of something like that happening 15 years from now to my son is just unbearable. It's unfathomable. So that's, that's what gets to me the most about that. So we hope, we hope his family finds peace and, uh, is able to continue with, uh, with their life as best they can. Uh, I mentioned, I mentioned Baker Mayfield said something this week that I'm just like, dude, you just still don't get it. 
So obviously he has complaints about what's going on with Deshaun Watson coming and taking over his position. I don't know how much he was in the loop on that. He wanted to go to the Colts. That didn't happen. He probably wanted to go to New Orleans. That didn't happen. He might have wanted to go to Atlanta. That didn't happen. He's still talking about Seattle. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they would rather take their chances with Drew Locke than with uh, Baker Mayfield. He's in a tough spot. Here's a quote, and I'm paraphrasing on this because I didn't have it in front of me. He basically was talking about people who boo, like his own fans who boo at games. And he says, I want to come to your cubicle and boo you. <laughs> and my answer to that is, you know what, dude? Give me $15 million a year and you can come to my cubicle and boo me. You know what yep. they call that? That's called the CEO of a company. And guess what? CEOs of companies get heckled every day. They get people protesting outside their front door. They got to have armed security walk them into their, you know, into the office building because who knows what's going to get thrown at them. That guy's making 15 to $20 million a year. He gets heckled. Okay. You're making $15 million a year for the Cleveland Browns to throw a stupid oval football around. And you're bitching because you're getting, wait for it, booed. See, like this is the, when, when athletes start to do this type of shit, this is when I start to say, fuck off. Like yeah. I'm not defending you anymore. Dick face. Okay. This is part of the deal. Not the racial shit that we hear some people slinging out like Russell Westbrook may have gotten some things. I forget some of the other guys that have had some weird stuff. Or when a, And this usually only happens in the NBA because they're so close to the players. You know, they reach over and grab them or whatever like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But just regular, good old-fashioned booing players. Get over yourself, dude. Yeah. Why do you think you get 13, 15, 30, 40 million dollars a year? It's not the owner's. I've said this a million times. This is why I'm not pro player. I'm not pro owner. I'm pro fan. Okay? Because it's the fucking fan that pays your salary. It is the fan. If the fans didn't show, the owners don't make money. And when the owners don't make money, they're not paying you out of their pocket. They're paying you with the money that comes from fans. 100%. In fact, they're lining their pockets with money that comes from fans. So when I got to hear some super wealthy athlete tell me that it's fucked up that he gets booed and let me come to your cubicle, come on over. I'll tell you what, dude. I'm a teacher for at-risk kids in a high school. Come be me for one week, and if you can't handle it, I get your salary for the year. Don't be a bitch, okay? You want the big money, but you want to be treated with kid gloves? Bullshit. That's the job, okay? That is the job. You want to be the man, then you got to act the man. I, I just, this, when athletes, I've heard LeBron make complaints like this. It's always when they're losing and being babies. I can't stand that shit. Oh, let me come to your work. Anyone, anyone who works in a cubicle or pumps gas at Wawa or is making sandwiches at some local sub shop. You think they want to? They think you want to do that, or do you think you want to go make fifteen million a year and be booed? I'll be booed. They would all <laughs> sign up to be booed for fifty. Oh, poor me! Oh, they don't like me. They're not nice to me. You ever have to make sub sandwiches for some people that come into some of these places? They're not nice either, dude. You want me? What's with all the onions? I want the peppers. Get the fuck out of here. You don't want to get booed. Suck a dick. I know I'm taking this way too far, but <laughs> goddamn, dude, get over yourself. You need a nap. No, see, now I'm hyped up. Like that, 
I read that and I'm like, you now are an asshole. You're an asshole. Well, I think he's been an asshole for. I've tried to defend him though. I, I tried yeah, to defend I, him when I, he got drafted. I was rooting for him because everybody gave up on him or said he's not worth it. And every step along the way through high school, college, and into the pros, Baker Mayfield had proved people wrong. But you know where he proved them wrong? He proved them wrong on the field. He went out for Texas Tech and he beat out Patrick Mahomes. And he went to Oklahoma and he beat out whoever the hell was there. Wins a Heisman. Just use your play. Okay? There's an old saying that says when you're explaining you're losing. Okay, this is a political thing. When you're explaining you're losing. I don't want to. I don't like being booed. You want me to come to your cubicle? Yes, give me your salary. You can come and boo directly into my ear, dude. You all can throw day. shit at me too. I don't yeah. care. Yeah, throw balled up paper at me all day. Shoot staples at me. Ding, 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 ding. Staple gun <laughs> at me all day. I'll take it for $13 million. You're going to tell a guy who's making $55 million a year, I'm going to come to your cubicle. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up, asshole. Next. You had some Giants Jet stuff you wanted to talk about. I have some stuff for you, bud. Come on. As we know, you are a sicko. I just want to say one more thing. I'm not done. Oh, no, nope, I'm not right? done. You know, our buddy Mike Dean from Dean Dome Sports. You know what he does for a living? He's, I don't know exactly, but he's basically like DPW down on one of the shore towns. Guy's yeah. up at like 4 o'clock in the morning. He's on the beach working his ass off at 5 o'clock in the morning. And somehow he finds a way to like put a little podcast together, put food on a table for his family. And his wife, who's a teacher, grinds a, grinds a living out in Atlantic City with tough kids. You think he wants to get booed for $15 million a year instead of combing the beaches? Instead of sweating his ass? Like, stop it. Just stop that shit, dude. Understand how lucky you are to get booed. To get booed. Yeah, that's like rich kid, not crybaby. Oh nonsense. my god, don't ever, don't ever sit there and say, "Oh, I'm gonna come to your cube." Every single one of those people that you, whose cubicle you would go to would trade with you in a second. And you know who wouldn't be able to handle it? You, Baker. You wouldn't be able to handle working in a fucking cubicle. You wouldn't be able to handle working in a school. You wouldn't be able to handle working at DPW. Shut the fuck up, Jets Giants. Sorry, go ahead. Jets Giants. I might interrupt you one more time. You never know. That's all right. I'm used to it by now, sir. It happens. Both New York teams have two picks in the top ten. The Jets have four and ten, respectively, and the Giants have five and seven. Yeah. I have uh, one question with three different branches coming off of it. Oh, my goodness. This is complex. Do both teams stick with their picks? Do they trade one? Do they trade both? Do they move back and get more picks for next year? What do you think, sir? Go yeah. ahead. The floor is yours. You like talking today. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> today, only today, not normally. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about this driving this morning, and I'm thinking, you know what it really comes down to, the NFL comes down to, you got to have a quarterback and you got to protect your quarterback. Everything comes after that. And there are layers that, you know, levels that come after that. You know, you want a, def a rush end, you want this. But, so, you know, you want to shut down corner. But those things are hard to come by. But building an offensive line – it takes time, but it's not the hardest thing to do. There are a lot of really great linemen out there. It's just a matter of are you going to make it a priority or, or are you going to say, my quarterback will deal with that. You know, Maybe if you're Baltimore or Arizona, you can say, we don't need the best line because we have a super mobile uh, quarterback. But you know, to me, it's all this league is so quarterback-centric, and it's all that matters. Build your offensive line. Get your quarterback. Build your offensive line. Like, it, and then everything else comes next. You you don't have a team. You're not even a playoff contender. 
Like, just look around the league right now and say who who is not. You can tell right now. I can tell you right now who's not going to make the playoffs next year. You know, Atlanta, New Orleans, um, Carolina, Carolina, Pride of Jets, Giants, Houston, Houston. Why? These teams don't have quarterbacks. Uh, Seattle, um, you know, Pittsburgh probably is going to miss the playoffs. Detroit, Giants, Chicago. I said the Giants. Like, you know who's going to miss the playoffs? Why? Because they don't have a quarterback. Okay. Um, and all those teams that I mentioned, other than the Jets and um, – well, maybe other than the Jets. Also had bad offensive lines. The Jets are the only one on that list that have made a priority already. Miami has a good line, I think, now, right? Yeah, I don't think I mentioned Miami there because I'm, yeah. I'm not settled on Tua being so, that bad. Um, they've made improvements to their line too. The Jets are the only one of those bad teams that has clearly made an effort already. So, so you, so that's a you're, you're feeding me into something there, pal. So I'm leading you to it's you got to be really careful. What do you need? So if you're the Giants, you know, no, no. start with the Jets first, okay? Because you just because you just said that you think they improved their line. I do, but so I think now, I need I think they need a little bit more. Okay, they're not. It's not fully complete. They need a right tackle. You know, they could use a new center, too. Now, I think the center can be helped by the fact that they've updated everything else so well. So that helps a lot. So many holes. There's so many other holes. Um, so I have heard about them uh, moving down. I would, I, would, I would probably move down from the fourth pick. If I can get, like, two other first-round picks this year. Like, if I could get a third first-round pick this year, but it'll be, like, say, 10, 18, and 22 or something like that for that number two pick, I would probably do that because they have so many goddamn holes. But I would focus on offensive line. The Giants have the most expensive wide receiver room in the entire NFL. They also simultaneously had the least productive wide receiver room in the entire NFL. And part of that is because Daniel Jones is not good enough. And part of that is because it's really difficult to throw when you're running for your life all the time. On your ass. Yeah, now we can say, wow, he's not that good. Uh, go watch Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, in two Super Bowls against the Giants. He looked quite mortal, quite regular. Why? Because he's running for his life or he's getting hammered on every fucking play. It's really hard. Go watch Peyton Manning under pressure. It's very boom or bust when you're under pressure all the time. It could be touchdowns. It could be a lot of sacks. So if you're the Giants and you want to find out, which you clearly do because you're bringing Daniel Jones back this year, build up your offensive line and see what you got. You already know you have the most expensive wide receiver room. So protect this kid and then see what you got. And now if you build that up, then you can tell, do I have this guy a quarterback or not? It's the same with the Jets. And frankly, it's the same with all those teams. You have to develop your offensive line to really know whether or not you have the quarterback that you're hoping you do. But that's to me, that doesn't start with the number four pick, probably. I've, I've seen... I've seen Drake London to you. I've seen I, I'm, I'm quarters, We're going to get into not. this. Drake London is not for me. I am not. I'm not there. Not in the top ten coming off an ACL. He's not. Not just that. He's Fuck like a no. four six forty guy, and his weakness is he doesn't. He has trouble breaking away from from corners. Well, that's in the Pac twelve. What's it going to be like in the NFL? I know he's a big, strong guy, 
But I just, he, to me, he's Keyshawn Johnson. I'm not, the, I was never the biggest Keyshawn Johnson fan in the first place. I'm certainly not now of his broadcasting skills. Um, Woo! I don't want Keyshawn Johnson. I don't want that kind of player. I want someone with real runaway speed. We'll get into this down the road, but like Chris Olave is way more interesting to me. Jameson Williams is way more interesting to me, even though he got hurt in a championship game. That's why you trade back, mate. Yeah. Yeah, you get him later in the first round and like this, and you can get your tackle and you can get a Jameson Williams. And, you know, then you have a really interesting thing going on there. But yeah, to me, the Jets with that fourth pick, I would I would be shopping that. If I can get three first round picks this year, um oof, it'd be lovely. There's a lot of teams that have that now. The the Saints have that. Eagles have some of that. Like there's a lot of teams that have multiple multiple first round picks. I'd be willing to I'd be willing to have a conversation with those teams. That four see what happens is when you have your quarterback, a top five pick just doesn't hold the value. And then I hear people saying like, oh, what about the safety from uh, the safety from Notre Dame? Do you want to do this Jamal Adams things all again. over again? I, I know. Because at know. some point down the road, you're going to have to pay a safety top dollar. Why on earth would you do that? And Joe Douglas ain't going to do that. He just went through this. Why would he do that again? Why the hell? He just You just signed Whitehead from Tampa Bay. Why the hell are you going to do a top five, a number four pick on a fucking safety? Are you bananas? No. no. Come on. Use your brain. I saw somebody with the lines taking him. And I'm like, so they're gonna go Akuda and Hamilton? Like, what? I just don't like, get it, man. Back. I'm not put. I'm not spending a top ten, not even a top ten pick on a safety. I'm just not doing it. No, thank you. Because I'm looking down the road and saying he's gonna want to get paid like a top, like a top ten pick, and I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not interested. And then you're in a shitstorm again, like you were with Jamal Adams. No thanks. I want an offensive lineman. I want a wide receiver. That's or. or Basically, here's your four picks, which your top ten, the, the four positions that I would only draft. Quarterback, wide receiver, top shelf offensive lineman. I guess it's five positions. Defense, uh, uh, a real legit rush end or a shutdown corner. That's it. I'm not using a top pick on anything else. I'm not I'm not doing it. Like not even a guard. When I say offensive line, I'm talking more like a tackle, like a starting yeah. offensive tackle. A guard I can get in between 10 and 20, between 10 and 25, like they did with Vera Tucker last year, who's a great pick. Like he's gonna be he's gonna be a great starter for them. And he's and they're moving him to the right side, which is a more natural spot for him because they got Lakin Tomlinson, who's gonna be on the left side. So, you know, I, I've heard rumors that the the Jets were talking about the 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 left tackle from um from NC State. I yeah, can't remember. Owe his name. Oweki or something. Yeah, whatever it is. I'm down with that because he can be either he could be moved to the right or Makai Becton could be moved to the right. That's okay. That's a tackle. You gotta you gotta have like elite tackles. Um, or if you had a, t a t see, I, to me that's kind of about it. Or if I could get a big time rush end, if there was a rush end out there, a shutdown corner. I know there's been some talk about the kid from uh, Sauce, uh, Sauce, whatever the hell from Cincinnati, Cincinnati corner. Yeah. I would probably be okay with that too. By the way, Cincinnati had two pretty damn good corners. They're probably Cincinnati had this is why that game against Alabama was as close as it was for as long as it was, because they had two guys that pretty much shut down all the all the Alabama receivers. If you remember, that game was 17-3, like midway through the third quarter. This was not the yeah. blowout that the other game was. Anyway, um they have two legit, legit corners for probably first round corner. One's definitely a first rounder, the other one probably a first rounder too. Um and, and I mentioned that Alabama game because you can't say, well, they didn't do it against top flight. Oh, yes, they did do it against top flight competition in the biggest game. So, you know, it's there. I'd be okay with that. 
You like Garner over Stingley from LSU? I just hear some things about Stingley that give me pause. Like what? I don't remember all of them. Right, but there was talk. just some things. Keep, uh, keep his drinking. production, his production went down after his freshman year. Now, well, part, he got hurt. He missed his whole sophomore year, I think. Yeah, part of that is also like he wasn't getting the same number of balls thrown in his direction. At least this was his defense. Like, well, look, you know, there was eighty something balls thrown at me my freshman year. There was only thirty something thrown at me my junior year. So, you know, people knew. Yeah, but there was a little more production in those thirty-five than there was in the eighty something. So, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want him with the four, with the ten. Maybe. I'd probably be okay with that. Any thoughts on Thibodeau from Oregon? This is uh, quite the thing, right? Because this was guy like consensus, pretty much consensus number one, and then suddenly it becomes like, well, we don't know how committed he is. Um, It's a tough one. If he was available at four, I'd have a hard time passing him up. I'll tell you that much. Looks good in green. He certainly does. I'd have a hard time passing that up. I will tell you that there's a quarterback, and I'm not going to mention him today because, folks, next week we're going to start getting into uh, draft prospects at different positions, so I'm not going to give away what I think here. I think there is a sneaky good quarterback out there that no one's talking too much about. It's not like he's a nobody, but he's not getting too much play. Is he from Cincinnati? He is not. He is not. Thank Um, you. I, I see a lot of good stuff with this kid, and I'll talk about him next week, so. I'm going to save that. little teaser for you. little teaser. Sorry. I'm not giving it away. I'm not. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else with that Jets-Giants stuff? No, I was just seeing what you thought about moving around. And Yeah. I, I think both of them would be wise, number one, to focus mainly on offensive line, especially the Giants even more than the Jets. I think the Jets yeah. need one. I think the Giants need like two or three. So if the Giants could move down and pick up an extra two picks, two or three picks – and bolster that offensive line to re- see. The problem is you just really don't know what you have in Daniel Jones. If you remember back to when they first plugged him in, he actually looked pretty good. Yeah, like he can sling it, he can run, and it just to me it just looks like every game I've seen with the Giants over the last two years, he's just always like gasping well, I, for air. I've said this for weeks. Their staff was horrible. Ugh. He's never had the same team around him. Yeah. Ever. No. So And a bad, bad offensive line. Yeah, Not average, so, bad. It's, it's so hard to judge. This really is what is. I'm saying. It's, it's, it is hard. I don't think he's elite. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't think you might have like a budding star on your hands. But I don't know. There just was something in those first six or seven games when he first busted on the scene that we were like, like you can, remember like, an 80-yard run that he tripped and fell, but it was an 80-yard run that he was outrunning. He threw a lot of really nice touchdown passes. Like, I remember everybody saying, like, wow, this guy's got a better arm than we even realized he did. Like, the accuracy is there. But things just fell apart. Like, you, like, you can't tell me he can't beat Jalen Hurts, and he brought his team to the playoffs last year. Like, I, This is what I'm saying. And what did Jalen Hurts have? It's the offensive one, line. Offensive line. One of the best yeah. in the league. Right? They were able to run the ball. Saquon Barkley, rookie of the year, or candidate for rookie of the year. No, I think he was. Yeah. He can't even, he can't even get two, two and a half yards of carry now. Oh, That's not a Saquon yes. problem, dude. That's an offensive line problem. I'm just telling you. So they should they should do what they got to do, whether it's using those picks or trade back and bolster that offensive line, build that up to get a better idea. Frankly, even with Saquon, do you do you have that guy that you thought you had, or did the injury curtail him? You don't know right now because you haven't been able to see him bust out because the 
line is that bad. This is one of the five worst offensive lines in the league, and it's just hard to judge talent around you when you can't do that. This is why I say there's more pressure on Zach Wilson this coming season because this is a better offensive line, or will be, you know, barring massive injuries, of course. This will be a better offensive line this year than the Jets have had in quite some time. The excuses start to go away. You have to now produce. You can't keep saying that when they, you know, this is the Baker Mayfield problem, right? The problem Baker Mayfield has is that everybody recognizes that Cleveland has one of the best offensive lines in the league, if not the best offensive line in the league. This was Carson Wentz's problem. You have one of the best offensive lines in the league. What's your friggin' problem? Okay. Wow. So this will be Zach Wilson's deal now. You can't complain that you're. And not that he ever did, but like defenders like me of Zach Wilson, you don't get to say, well, their offensive line stinks. Nah, not this year. You're not going to be able to say that. He's going to actually have to produce. But the good thing about that is that now as an organization, you'll be able to properly assess what you have as a talent at quarterback. And you can yeah. move forward accordingly. Right. You know, right. which is what Cleveland did. Cleveland, listen, you can say what you want about how this all went down and the fact that they went and got a, you know, a serial sexual harasser, all that being said. What they are telling you more than anything is that, listen, we drafted this kid with the number one pick in the draft. We've had a really good look at him for three and a half, four years. We don't really like what we see. We're moving on. That's actually the sign of a smart organization. We're not going to try to jam a square peg through a round hole. We're moving on. And you're able to do that because you had the offensive line and the talent around him to say, we know what we got here. Yep. So as any organization, whether it's Giants, <coughs> Jets, Atlanta, build that offensive line so that you have an idea, a really good, solid idea of what you have at quarterback. So 62 in the book, my friend. Who do we got today? I got three names for you. Two-time All-Star and 2019 World Series champ, current Nationals pitcher, Sean Doolittle. Ooh. Number two, four-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowl, the Super Bowl champ, Eagle center, Jason Kelsey. Kelsey, nice. Great player. And number one, Good 2019 dude. World Series champ, former Yankee reliever, and I think the Yankees really screwed him up with the Jabba rules. Oh, my God. Jabba Chamberlain. God, he was like a shooting star for a while there, wasn't he? He was. Incredible. That's why I have him at number one, because I think like he's a Yankee, and like the potential was so electrified oh, for like a year and a half. He was loved. God, that name, just the name Jabba, I think, had a lot to do with it, and throwing friggin' straight cheese. Um, new story of the day here for you. Some fun news. I don't know if you heard about this, but there's a family in Minnesota that has been dubbed the world's tallest family by the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, let me see. This is the Trap family. And the parents, Scott and Chrissy, Scott is six feet eight. Let me get this straight. They average, the average height, and this is why they are in the Guinness Book of World Records, the av they average amongst all of them six feet eight inches tall dad is six foot eight mom chrissy is six three must have been tough dating life because there's not wow. not too many guys that are out there that are even available at that height um and the kids okay so we have a daughter who's six is that a daughter yeah daughter six no. foot eight. Oh my another god another daughter six foot six and their son adam seven feet three inches Holy cow. So, so the tallest family in the Guinness average hut by average height in the Guinness Book of World Records is the Trap family out of Minnesota. I guess congratulations to them. Shopping must be a bitch though, right? Big and tall, like whoa. How about vehicles? 
Whew. Yeah, they're not driving electric vehicles, right? They need like... Coopers? Holy shit. <laughs> How did they get their golf club sized? They just use telephone poles? My goodness. Bungo Seven bats. foot three. The, son, the daughter, one of the daughters, six foot eight. Holy cow. Gina Oriema's at the house right now. <laughs> yeah, they all played sports. They all played yeah. basketball. Let me see that. Was it basketball and volleyball? I think it was basketball and volleyball where they're two big... Yeah, where the two big sports that they played in college. So fascinating. The That's Trap family. One, congratulations to them on their big, uh, literally their big accomplishment. Everybody, buckle up. Draft talk the next two weeks. We got we you covered. Love it. So we're gonna we're gonna get after it. And you know we got you because we've been telling you for what you know last year. You know we we guided you in the right direction. We end up being right on this stuff a, a lot. Uh, so, so definitely, if you want to help us out, if you like what you're hearing, help us out by sharing this with friends. We we greatly appreciate. It. We have a blast doing this either way, but obviously, the more people that listen, it helps us out in the long run here. So, with that said, for Scott Bracy, I'm Pete Colasano. You've been listening to Bump and Run, and we'll catch you guys next week. Later.